0: Eventually what's going to happen with these things is you're going to be elevated. Some of you know this. So you'll be elevated off the floor. They don't make props for anyone uh, in terms of the size. They're, they're made for no person anywhere. So this is not tall enough, obviously, to go from my pelvis all the way through my head. So at a certain point, you're going to lay on your back on it. Um, and you can put these at the end of it. Now, if you're particularly tall, you might want three blocks, just saying. There's plenty of them. Um, but you'll be elevated all the way up on this. Not, not that one where you do the chest openery thing, the one where your butt is all the way up. Now that'll, it, this is like a special place for that bolster. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that. Now you can lie down on the floor in whatever configuration you like. All right, so just ask yourself for one second why you decide to lay down in the position that you're in. Because do you lie on the floor, a lot of you, do you lie on the floor like this in your regular life ever? You're just walking around your office and drop to the floor and lay like this? <laughs> and then ask yourself, is this the most comfortable place or comfortable position for me to be lying on the floor in? And I'd venture to guess probably not for some of you. Okay, so there's no such thing as advanced spiritual lying on the ground. So that shape, that Shavasana-y shape thing, you are under no obligation to stay there. So if you would prefer to bend your knees and put your feet on the floor, or to change your arms, or to try a few things out, then try that. I'll qualify this by lie on the floor and make it as comfortable as possible. And if lying on the floor is not comfortable, then don't lie on the floor. You have absolute permission to change the shape that you're in, to make it work for you at any point. That's the the point of this, after all. So once you think you've got got it down here, then just know that there will be no shape that will be comfortable forever. Even the most comfortable of beds is not comfortable forever. You end up fidgeting about eventually. So if at any point this becomes not comfortable in a counterproductive sense, change it. Otherwise, be still, but lots of choices always. And then the same will go for do you want to close your eyes or not? What allows you to feel most at ease in this space right now? no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you intended to do before you got here. And then this studio in particular has a little less noise than the other, and a lot less noise than a lot of studios I've taught in. But if you can take your attention to the few sounds that are here. Now my voice is going to be a sound, sound experience that'll come and go. The traffic will come and go, the sound of the air conditioning, I assume, it will come and go. Maybe the sound of your breath or movement of yourself or movement around you. So can you let your mind just dance through the different sounds that are here? And when it goes from sound to something else, then come back to sound. sound is one sensory experience. It could be something you could choose as an anchor here. It could remind you how to come back, how to find the present moment, give you something to pay attention to when there's nothing else at hand to focus on. So feel free to return to that if that is working for you at any point. Otherwise, you can notice what parts of your body are being supported by the floor. So perhaps there's one particular region or just the general idea that the floor is underneath of you and that there's contact with surface. Now what is touching the floor, how? That's going to change as well. Everything is impermanent under the sensory umbrella that you choose, but if something being grounded or supported by the floor is a focal point that resonates with you today, then you could choose that or sound. And then breath is an experience that can only be had through the senses. It can have a location, it could have a sound. You could have other experiences that will be difficult to access, like movement or the visual understanding of the movement of the breath. Perhaps there's something about breath that takes hold of your mind, that gives you an anchor to focus on, but it will be something you return to, not something you sustain for the entire 90 minutes. or there's temperature of the room. There's many different experiences here. So can you pick and set for yourself one anchor, one present moment focal point for today? Whatever which one you choose, let yourself engage with that and return to it for the next few moments. from that one single point of focus. Go out to where your body is now positioned, stretch your legs out on the floor if they're not already. And then just let them relax, let them flop. Now once they're out like this, I want you to notice the curvature of your lower back and your neck. And if there's a certain amount of space that the lower back feels like it has in your body away from the floor, then notice that. If that's not tangible to you, you could also notice how many inches it feels like your rib cage is away from the front of your pelvis. And you could even take your fingers and maybe measure how far that is. You can notice the curve of your neck, how far your chin feels like it is away from your chest. Anything that will help you know where that is in space. And then bend your knees and put your feet on the floor and relax once you get there. And just notice for a moment if your lower back sinks down a little bit. And if it does, it's fine. Just make note that that's happening. And then the same idea. What's the curve of the lower back feel like? Does the shape of the neck feel like for you? And then just start to tip the sit bones up away from the floor a little bit. You're doing a little mini cat cow. And then tip them down towards the floor a bit. And notice as you rock the pelvis just slightly back and forth, how those movements impact the shape of your spine. The distance maybe the lower back has away from the floor, the space between the ribcage and the pelvis. And then let the pelvis come back to a still position. and Just note where is that lower back's curve? And then go up into the neck and let the same thing happen. Move your chin away from your chest a bit and then down towards the chest a bit. And notice that as you move the head, you change the curvature of the neck. And if you were trying to find neutral, you could move between these two movement patterns until your head came back to a place of bringing your neck to neutral. So let it, your head come back to stillness. Then come back down to your feet. And just take your attention to your right foot. And if your feet are closer than hip distance, bring your feet to hip distance, your knees to roughly hip distance. And just come up onto the ball of your right foot, like you were pointing the ankle some. And then bring it back down. And just start to lift your right heel up and down. just notice, how does it feel like you're accomplishing this? What we would call pointing the ankle or plantar flexion if we were being technical. Maybe even play with the idea of coming up onto the tiptoes. What does that feel like? How do you do that in your particular frame? And notice none of this is changing the shape of the spine. It's just changing the ankle, the knee, the hip a little bit. And then come up onto the ball of the foot or the toes, whichever one feels more wise in your body, and hold there. So how do you take this joint into plantar flexion and hold? And then come on back down to the other side. So start to lift the left heel up. Now, each leg is a unique experience. They do not have to be even remotely the same. If they are, that's fine. But it's to notice this particular side. How do you move the ankle like this? Does coming up onto the toes feel worthwhile or not? Just making note that this does not change the spine's position. You're just working with joints below that. And then eventually going from a dynamic movement up to a held static position and making note of how do you hold the foot here? How does that happen in your body? And then come on back down and go the other side. Now we go the other direction. Leave the heel down. Lift the ball of your foot up. And down. Just move dynamically. And maybe at first it's just the ankle and then it becomes the toes. Maybe they pull towards the shin like you were curling them under like a plank foot. And notice the sensation is different to move the ankle this way. The work is different. How this happens is different. So how are you doing this? Make note, we'll call this flexing the ankle or dorsiflexing it. And you can go from static or from dynamic movement to static eventually and hold. How do you keep the ankle dorsiflexed? And when you've learned that on that side, then bring the foot down and change sides. Go up and down You go. And just making note, how does this happen? Letting your mind be intrigued by the movements. Changing the toes if that feels worthwhile. and then eventually going from moving the foot to holding it in place. And when you make note of how that works and come back down to being still and come back to that one present moment sensory anchor you set. Now moving both feet at the same time Come up onto the balls of both feet and hold. And then bring that down and come up on just to the heels and hold. And then let your right foot stay like this. Just let the left foot come back down. Hold the ankle in this flexed position. Take your right hand to the thigh and just notice the slope that right thigh is taking up to the ceiling. What angle does it feel like it's at? Keep that angle consistent. Keep your ankle where it is. Just pick your foot up and start to straighten the knee until your shin is parallel with the ceiling. And then bring it back down until your heel grazes the ground. And then up again. So move in and out of this. And if as you pick the foot up, the thigh feels like it keeps creeping in towards you, maybe use your eyes and look. See where the thigh is before you pick the foot up and then watch as the foot comes up and down without the thigh moving, and then feel how you're doing that. Go inside, how do you hold the hip still while moving the knee? How do you hold the ankle still while moving the knee? And then the next time the shin parallels the ceiling, hold. Keep the ankle as is, the shin parallel the ceiling, Start to let your thigh come in closer to you until your knee stacks over your hip. Good. And then unfold the hip and bring the leg back out to that longer position you were just in. And then refold the hip. In and out. You're changing the hip and changing the knee slightly. The ankle staying the same. And all the while, noting that the spine doesn't really change too much, if at all. If it does slightly, that's all right. And then eventually, hold the knee stacked over the hip. Just pause. Where is that in space? And then bring that foot down. Come to the other side. Flex your left ankle so you're just on the heel. If your left hand to your thigh, notice the angle it's at, and start to hinge and refold the knee in and out. And if it's difficult, it's because one of your knee straighteners also folds your hip. So it takes a minute to isolate out the part that just moves the knee. Take the time to learn how you're doing that. Use your eyes if needs be. Then feel how you're moving. And then eventually hold the leg in that position. Make note of where that is. And then start to fold it in further you know, from the hip and the knee. And then in and out you go. Can okay, you figure out where 90 in the hip and 90 in the knee are? Again, if you need your eyes, use them. And then eventually go from that dynamic movement to a held position where the knee is stacked over the hip, shin parallel with the ceiling, ankle flexed. And then bring that leg down. Right side. In one fell swoop, can you go from where the leg is now to that position where the knee is stacked over the hip and the ankle is flexed? And then right leg down and to the left. Now take your time and go back and forth between sides. And perhaps making note that if you go too far, the pelvis starts to tuck up away from the floor. The hip just feels like it'll max out in some way. How do you get just knee over hip? Now side to side with just one leg up at a time is one thing, but then what would it be like to take one leg up and follow it with the other? And then to take one leg down and follow it with the other. And just make note that as you're going up and down like this, the legs kind of keep creeping closer to one another for some of you that the ankles seem to be changing position some. Can you keep the feet and knees roughly hip distance or so? And is the spine changing or is it staying as is? And if it's not, just note for a second that it's not. And then note what would happen if you took both legs up at the same time. And what would happen if you took them both down at the same time? And it might no longer be possible to hold your spine in its configuration. And so take one of your blocks and put it the, either the narrowest way, or you can notch it up one between your inner thighs. And then get your Suzanne Summers on. Squeeze. So with your feet on the ground, just squeeze into the block. Squeeze and pulse or squeeze and hold, it's up to you. All you're looking for is in your body. How does it feel to bring the legs towards one another? Where does the sensation resound for you? Where does it feel like that's happening? How do you do this? And then once you've made note of that, can you imagine without the lower back changing shape, without your neck changing, as you squeeze the block, it would be like if somebody, I don't know, threw a beach ball in your direction, you weren't quite ready and you had to brace the trunk. Or if you were standing and somebody gave you a little knock and you had to brace yourself so you didn't get pushed off of your standing position. How would you hold your upper body stable? What would that feel like to you? And see if you can hold on to all that, get rid of the block and recreate the same sensory experience. And then once you have that, is it possible to in one fail swoop take both legs up to that reclined position without the trunk changing? How about take them down without it changing? And if the answer is no, then one at a time, but up and down. And the advanced choice would be to keep the priority of the spine still and to move one leg at a time, both at the same time. But whatever decision you make, let it keep the priorities in check. And if it shows up in your hip or around the back of your pelvis, then adapt what you're doing so that's not happening. Now it's hard enough to take the legs up to what would look like a reclined table position. But can you remember where that position was where your thighs were angled away from you? Try one leg at a time with that one. Can you pick one leg up and then the other? Because holding the thighs at an angle is very, very, very tough to hold the priority in place. And you don't win anything for doing it. So if it's one leg at a time to that longer version of table, fine. If it's shorter, fine. Whatever keeps the spine in place. And then eventually hold this table with the knees stacked over the hips and just notice where that is. And remind yourself that you do table shape in class all the time and it's probably a lot easier than this. And then bring your legs down and come back to that one point of focus you set. If your arms aren't by your sides, bring them to your sides, and just turn your palms down. From the wrist, bend and lift the palms of the hands and the fingers up off the floor. And then back down, and just hinging from the wrist. Pull the palms up, the fingers up, leaving the forearms down like you were turning your hands into plank hands or table hands. As you move and hinge from the wrist, so not up onto the fingertips, but lifting the whole palm up onto the floor and bending, would it feel better to have the fingers spread or not? Would it feel better to let them cup and curl a little bit? What would allow you to get the most out of your wrist without causing any sensation around it? Now, what if you imagine that the floor was just a little bit sticky, so there was some resistance as you pried your hands up off of the ground some. So you had to work a little harder to bend from the wrist. And if you've figured out how you initiate that movement, then turn your hands over the opposing way. And let your fingers curl like you were holding a tennis ball or a stress ball, if you remember what those were. Okay, and then pulse into that imaginary tennis ball. And as you do that, bend your wrist the opposing direction. So pull the back of the hand up off the floor. And you can go in and out. So just learning that these are the muscles that oppose the movement that preceded this. These are the ones that will fight as you bear weight on your wrist the other way or as you fold them the other direction. So again, when you feel like you've figured out where that sits in your frame, then turn your hands over the other direction. Now, can you bend the wrist, pull the palms and fingers up off of the floor, but as you do, can you resist with the opposing group? Create a little stability around the wrist or work around the arms. Good. And when that's been figured out, let your hands relax for a moment and turn them over the other direction. And then curl your fingers around imaginary barbells, imaginary dumbbells. And as I always say, imagine they're a little too heavy because you're showing off for some reason. And now from the elbow bend, like you were doing a bicep curl, and you're a little bit too heavy, imaginary weights. Tough guy it for a second. And then before you go and pick up a little lighter set, you got to put these down gracefully. So straighten the elbows out until your hands hit the ground lightly. Now in your mind, go and get a lighter set that's not quite that ridiculous. And start to bend and straighten the elbow again. But as it bends, resist, like you were trying to keep it straight. And as it straightens, resist, like you were trying to keep it bent. And so you figure out in your body where the effort lies to do each one of these movements. And when you've figured that out, take your arms out like goalpost arms. And then like you were doing a chest press, start to take the arms away from the floor and bring your forearms to press together over your face or at least press them towards one another. And then press them away from one another until they graze the ground. Again, add resistance from inside. Work the arms in and out. Let's figure out in your body where does the work feel like it exists? How do you do this? Move the arms in towards one another and out away from one another. The more resistance you internally create, the harder it becomes. If it shows up in your joints, around the shoulder or the elbow, then create a little less resistance. When you figure that out, take your arms up to the ceiling over your shoulders. And just, if you need your eyes you and look, turn the flat part of your elbow to face back towards the wall behind you. And then keep going with that. And turn them out even a little bit, so the palms turn towards the back of the room. And then turn the palms in towards one another, and towards the front of your mat, but do it from the shoulders, where it feels like biceps are now turning in towards one another. And then turn them away from one another. Turn the triceps in. How do you turn the arms in and out from the shoulder? And then eventually let the arms hold still. and Just look up if you need and see your biceps and turn them to face fairly straight back towards the wall behind you. It can be angled in a little bit. And bring your elbows to stack over your, over your shoulders instead of your hands. So let the hands widen out. Once the elbows are stacked vertically, leave them there. Now can you find the bend and straighten the elbow muscles, the squeeze in, press out ones, while holding your elbows straight? And just keep them where they are, skeleton in position. And use a little bit of each one of those efforts to hold the elbow shoulder distance, to hold the elbow straight. Now leave the elbows straight. Leave the upper arms where they are. Turn your palms to face one another. And then see if you can turn the palms to face the front of your mat and then turn them back to face one another. And if you need your eyes, look, but leave the biceps facing fairly straight back as you rotate from the forearms, palms towards one another and then towards the front of the mat. And watch all the while, especially if you haven't learned the carrying angle bit yet, as your elbows creep in towards one another. And the next time you get your palms facing the front of your mat, leave them there. And pull the fingers down towards the floor like you were doing a table shape on the ceiling. And then push them back up again. And keep going with that. Now, does it feel better to let the fingers spread or to have them closer? To let them curl a little bit? Keeping your elbows shoulder distance. If your hands are wider than your elbows because of your skeletal structure, that is fine. Leave them there. Maybe let the hands angle out a few degrees. There we go. And then take a pause for a moment. When you are done, come back to arms down and rest in one point of focus. Be it sound, be it the floor. Be it some aspect of the breath or something else you chose that's here. Guide your mind back to that. And then take your arms back up to the ceiling again. Set them up the width that you figured out worked, where your elbows are shoulder distance. Have the biceps pretty straight back. Bend the wrists back. Fingers wide or curled. It's up to you. They can even be asymmetrical. Now stabilize the arms. The work of the forearm group, the upper arms, the shoulders. Then can you find the stability of your trunk that you found earlier, the inner thighs? And then add one leg at a time or both at the same time and bring your legs up to table on your back. Where is that? Keeping the elbows shoulder distance, just look at your wrists, and if they have a little bit of an extra crease in the inside edge, the thumb side, then turn the hands out some. There we go. Now push up, reach for the ceiling, and just notice what that does to the shoulder blades. What does that feel like to do that work? Now bring the shoulder blades back to where they began, but push up in effort. Just don't let it change the shoulder blades this time. Leave them where they are. And make note of where this is. And then down you go. Back to one point of focus for a moment. And then back to some choices. So if you have wrist stuff, or you choose to stay on your back, that is perfectly fine, the choice is yours. And if you know it's gonna show up in your wrist, then be here, even if that is a tough choice to make. You're going to come up and over. You can head at the back of the mat, the front. It does not matter at all. But if you're coming up and over, you can start to set yourself up on all fours. going to stay on your back, you and recreate the same thing. And then before you get too, too attached to the up and over one, the advanced choice will be to discontinue the up and over one should it show up in your joints. So start knees under hips. Feet flipped over, dorsiflex feet, so toes curled under, like you were doing plank feet. And then look down your arms, turn your biceps to face pretty straight forward, and let your hands turn out and widen to accomplish that. And then stack your elbows under your shoulders, even if that means that your hands have to be wider. And then make note for a moment, is this in the wrist? Do the wrists have sensation in them? If they do, move your hands forward of your shoulders some if that does anything for it. If it doesn't, maybe try a little bit further and maybe let the fingers curl some or spread them less. And then go back to that stuff we did earlier where you tip your sit bones up and down until your lower back gets to its neutral place. And then same with the neck, chin up and down until your neck gets neutral for you. Where is that? Can you remember? Now hold that position in your spine, keep it neutral, can work the arms. The gripping muscles, the bend the wrist each direction muscles, the bend the elbows ones, the squeeze in, the press out, the turning ones that hold your shoulder still. Then how about the trunk? Round the waist the block squeezing effort. And then see if you could perhaps play with the idea of taking your knees off the ground a bit. And you can go up and down with plank feet, new toes curled under. If you need to move the feet back, some do. Now, as you go up and down or up and hold, remember that effort of pushing or reaching up for the ceiling a moment ago. And if it's showing up in your wrists or your elbows or your shoulders, do it on your back because all you get from table is table. I say it's my only joke, but you don't get a job from being able to do table or respect it like Thanksgiving, sorry. So if it's bugging your joint, the one on your back accomplishes more. And you're free to explore this for a moment, but when you are done, set yourself up on that bolster block setup we talked about at the beginning. You have time. You undo another one, have at it. So just set the two blocks up or three blocks up behind it, and then you'll lie on your back with your knees bent, feet on the floor, same exact position. You'll just be elevated in the air. Bent feet on the floor, arms wherever you like for a moment. And just make sure that the back of your pelvis all the way through your head feels well supported by the props. So that if your feet were not on the ground, you wouldn't feel like you were going to fall off the edge. And come back to sound or sensation of the floor, now the props underneath of you. Or to the breath. Let the mind come back to that one place. from that one place. Come back out to this right side again. Take your right leg up to an all fours position. You can keep your ankle flexed like it was doing a plank foot, like it was when you flipped over a second ago. Now remember, did your lower back arch up a little bit when your legs were outstretched at the beginning? If it did, then let it when your leg starts to outstretch. You start to reach your leg out towards the front of the room. And as it reaches out, see if you can get the heel to be the height of the bolster. Do without your eyes first and see if you can figure out where that is. And then you can use your eyes and see if you're right. And if you're not, lower, or lift the leg until you are. And then feel where that is. And then fold that back into all fours again. And then outstretch it again and go in and out. Can you figure out exactly where the height of the bolster is? Or where plank would be? Your leg was out, and you were flipped over. And because the fixed points of plank are actually longer, you can consider taking the right leg from that longer all-fours position and then outstretching it, going in and out from there, where your thighs were more parallel. And what would happen if your leg went too far? If it stretched it out, it was the height of the bolster, it started to sink down towards the floor a little bit. Oh, no. How would you recover it and get it back up to the height of the bolster? And if you want to do that a few times, fine. If it's showing up around the hip or in the SI region, then move the leg less or hover it. You know how to hold it in place. And you're free to go from right to left. When you're done with this right side, try the left. The pattern of introduction is always the same, in and out, back and forth. And the first time you take it out on the opposing side, maybe feel where that is, then see it. It's it bolster height, Cause just because the right one got it figured out, the left one doesn't necessarily. Just making note, the same priorities are set. And the spine is staying fairly consistent. Maybe the lower back is arching a little bit on the way out. And that's the right. And you're just hinging off the knee, hinging off the hip. And then eventually it would be, oh no, what if I did one of those saggy planks that all the teachers are always on about not doing? How would you recover it? Or a falling over handstand were you to want to do that one day and as you're moving this leg in and out consider adding some of that stability around the waist that idea of bracing around the trunk where it doesn't change the spine's shape but where it allows to stay perhaps a little more consistent as the leg moves And the next time you get one of your legs outstretched, hold it there. And realize for one moment that this is hard enough. What would it be like to take the other one out like you were doing plank reclined? Would it even be possible? Or do you need like lead weights on your shoulders? (laughs) Because we'll say reclined plank is way harder than regular plank. So maybe it's one leg at a time, one leg staying tucked into all fours, or one foot staying on the ground as the other one moves in and out. And feel free to reach your arms up and to add the arms to this equation. We're doing plank on the ceiling. Where would the stability lie to take your legs out like that? Can you find it? Can you experiment for a moment? Or is it something that isn't there and is not a problem unless you make it one? Which would be fruitlessly trying to get it to happen for no reason. Could you do what's skilled, one leg at a time? And then, when you figure that out, take your time and get yourself up and off that bolster, unless you're going to stay on your back, which is a perfectly equivalent. Choice free to stay there. If it was in your wrists when you were bearing weight on them before, then stay and go in and out of what you were exploring on your back. If you are coming up and over, move your stuff out of the way. And before you get too attached to where you are, set your hands up the width, the turnout the fingers that you figured out before. So remember, elbows shoulder distance, hands turned out if needs be, which would be pretty much everyone to accommodate their skeleton. Then take one leg all the way back into plank. Follow it with the other. Once you're in plank, leave your feet where they are, just drop your knees down. And once they're down, get your spine neutral for you. you remember how to figure that out. Then stabilize the arms, stabilize the trunk. The inner thigh line, all of it, and then maybe you hover up a little bit and one knee straightens, maybe both. Remember how to reach up for the ceiling so that you're not sinking into the shoulders. And then go in and out of that. It would be bending the knee and the hip and then re-straightening them. And just make note, is your spine anywhere near the shape it was when you were reclined? Because if the answer is no, then recline plank is much harder and a better place to learn trunk stability than this will ever be. There's a wonderful plank as core stabilizer study that debunks it. The one on your back would get thumbs up from the uh, core stability landscape, though. So you make your choice. You can do it here, you can do it on your back. What gives you that spine stability that you found before, keeps it out of your joints? And can you be the bold one that if you know it would be more worthwhile to lay down and to do that on props or on your back, can you do it? about the group pressuring you. So you have a few moments to explore. You will all eventually end up on your back on the same setup. No rush needed. You get on your back. You're free to do any exploring that you were planning on for a moment, and otherwise be still. And knees bent, feet on the floor, and to come back to that one point of focus for a moment. Ooh, yes, there we go. Now it's hard enough to do any of that without having the elbows destabilized. We'll see what happens when that comes into play. So interlace your fingers behind your head, much like you were at the gym. Crunch. Lift your head and shoulders and arms up off the floor. Leave your feet on the ground. I mean, you want to go wild there. Right? And then back down. Right? Up and down you go. So noticing you're bringing the front of the rib cage closer to the pelvis. Can you do it without your chin coming any closer to your chest? Some of the work to keep you out of sagging in the lower back. Maybe you come up and hold. Once you're up and hold, reach your arms up to the ceiling like you are doing plank on the ceiling. Now, wherever you feel like the work exists here, can you hold on to that work and just slowly bring your head and shoulders back down to the block, but where the trunk has stayed stable? Just notice where that is. Maybe you come up again and do a little sit-up. And then back down where the spine neutralizes, but the stability still exists. And when you've figured that out, hug your knees in. And we'll see if you can stay up here without tipping over. And You can hug them in with your hands. And in your body, hug them in as tight as they'll go. Don't worry about how far. Now you're using the leverage of your arms here to hug them in. Could you hold them in this tight without using your arms? And if as you let them go, you feel like the legs popped up away from you, so you can to hug them in again and then find the effort in your body to hold them where they are. And then notice where that is. How does that feel? And then take your legs back down onto the ground, feet down. Now, with your head down, your feet down, can you find the sit-up work and that hug the legs in work? Reach your arms up to the ceiling and outstretch maybe one leg or both. Now, if you lose the trunk, one leg. Now, could you hold all of this, flipped over the other way? All right. Break, rest, back to being still. Come back to your one point. Just hover your arms up off of the floor next to your sides with your palms up. Keep your upper arms next to your side, bend your elbows 90 degrees and then straighten them again. So have your elbows up at the seams of the sides of your shirt. Your arms are hovering off the floor and then just bend and straighten the elbows. Just to 90 and then back out to straight. Making note that the bending of the elbows doesn't change the shoulder inherently, especially if you hold it in place. And when you figure that out, reach your arms up to the ceiling over your shoulders with your elbows straight this time. Now make note, the shoulder is at a 90 degree angle here. Just keep your elbows straight and start to bring your arms back down to your sides until they end up hovering next to you. And then bring them back up to the ceiling. 90 at the shoulder, just up and down there. Making note, how do you go from that 90 degree angle back to zero? And then perhaps you add the hand placement to this, where the elbows are shoulder distance, the ceiling acts like the floor. Spread your fingers out. Turn the hands out if needs be. And then you keep your hands like that and just bring your arms back down to your sides with the elbows straight, and then back up to the ceiling. And then down to your sides and hold them there. Keep your hands the angle that they're at, just bend your elbows 90 degrees. Then straighten the elbows out, bring your arms to your sides. And then take them back up to the ceiling. And then down to your sides. Bend the elbows 90. Keep your arms by your sides, straighten the elbows. And then take them back up to the ceiling. One more time, take them down to your sides. Then bend your elbows. Keep your upper arms next to your side. Re-straighten the elbows. There we go. And then back up to the ceiling, elbow straight. Okay, now we combine them together. Bend the elbow. Bring the upper arms to your sides like you're doing chaturanga on the ceiling. Good, And then straighten them out. Bring them back up to the ceiling. Now can you bend and straighten with the elbows staying shoulder distance apart? Can you keep your hands in the same configuration? And if you can't, it probably means the hands are too close together or too turned in. So just trading 90 degree angles between the shoulders and the elbows and back again. And then what if the ceiling was very, very heavy? You had to resist. It was coming down to meet you. And then you're letting your elbows bend, letting it come closer to you like a bench press bar. And then you're pushing it back up to where it started. So can you resist in and out of this? Like you were doing this with weight. And at any time, you get to take breaks to change this so it's not in the wrist, so it's not in the hands. This is up to you. And then I'm sure you can figure it out. You can go from here to adding the legs. Maybe they're in an all-fours position. Maybe they're outstretched. And you add that trunk stability that you found before with the sit-ups. And either in all-fours do chaturanga on your back. And the legs outstretched do it. And it's like rubbing your head and patting your belly when you don't have any floor fixed under you to figure out where this is. And just notice, as you're moving the arms, the neck isn't changing. Hopefully the lower back isn't changing. And if it is, you're adapting what the lower body's doing. And when you've had enough of that and figured it out, take your time and come back to stillness for a moment. And ask yourself the question, are you going to be able to hold the rest of your frame in the position that it needs to be in? Are you going to be able to keep it out of your joints if you flip over? The answer is no, you have all the freedom in the world to explore here. If the answer is yes, move the props out of the way. You can flip yourself over. So it's only to do something with great skill, and if that means that everything you've learned falls apart when you flip up and over, then the great skill becomes going to the back again or staying there. Coming up and over, you've got to set the hands up first, the width, the turnout. out. Okay, then the feet need to move back, so step back into plank so your fixed points are in the right position. Once you're back in plank with both legs, drop your knees down and re-stabilize this. So get your spine neutral, then hold the trunk stable, push the floor away from you. And then maybe you come up into plank, and now note. Does your spine feel truly the same shape it did when you were on your back? If the answer is no, see if you can get that to work first. Otherwise, it'll be to bend your elbows a tiny bit. Oh, and then back up. But guess what I see? Lots of what looks like the worm going in and out of this. A lot of pelvises sagging and spines changing. So you don't get the stability to do chaturanga in it. You get it from doing all the drills before. So be it on your back or on the props, if you're losing the spine, if your neck is craning one way or the other, or the pelvis is sagging down, can you figure out how to adapt this or how to develop a drill on your back that will suit you? build one step at a time, the pieces that make... The most sense for you, keeping the priorities in mind. And if your brain wants to tell you that you're gonna get something from doing it with a sagginess but weight-bearing, as 18 years a gymnast, I will tell you that is not true. Be skilled for you. When you've had enough, you're free to take your time to do as much as you like. When you've had enough, you move the props out of the way and be on your back on the floor. You can be in any comfortable position on your back that you prefer for a moment. Take your mind back to that one point. And then just ask yourself, did that end up in your wrist? Did it end up in your joints in some way? And if the answer is yes, then just make note to yourself why, why you allowed it. We all do that. Well, what was it that was to be gained, when in truth what would be gained would be from not doing it and working with what you had today? You come back, notice the difference under whatever sensory umbrella you picked. Bend your knees and put your feet on the floor roughly hip distance or so apart again. And just make note, is it easy to have your feet anchored to the ground right now, or does it feel like your heels are too light or too heavy? Move them forward or back until your feet feel evenly anchored on the floor. A lot of you have been taught that heels behind your second toe business, which is not really your skeletal alignment. So let your feet turn out just a degree or two. Just a little. Alright, now make note of your spine's configuration. You'll go the opposite direction. You push your feet into the ground. Lift your pelvis off the ground an inch. And back down. So up and down you go. Now as you go, let your butt get involved. And if as you're moving up and down your spine is changing, see if you can hold the spine's shape. Use the back of the legs to pick the pelvis up. You don't have to go high, just a little at a time. And then have your arms next to you. And you turn your palms up. And as you pick the pelvis up, press your arms into the floor. And just up and down. Take breaks where you need, or maybe up and hold. And if you get a hamstring cramp, stretch your leg out. And just make note, where is the work? Where does it exist here for you? Can you notice the muscles maybe in the legs that are on the front side? The knee straighteners that are lifting you up? Where's the work on the back side here? The hip extensors. And then when you figure that out, you bring yourself up to seated with your legs pretty much in the same position. Feel free to move them once, when you're getting up there. And then put your hands behind you. Now, whether you turn your hands forward, sideways, or back, it is completely up to you. But walk them back behind you some. And then play with the idea of turning them out, turning them in a bit, and let your elbows bend. Now, as your elbows bend, much like you were doing before, notice if it feels all right in the wrists, and if it doesn't, change how your hands are positioned. You may end up having to move your hands back a little further, we'll see. Straighten your elbows out, and see if you can get your lower back and your neck to a neutral position. A lot of you are in too short of a stance for that to happen, so move your hands back even further. Have your knees bent and your feet on the floor. And once you have your spine in your neutral, can you push your feet down? Use the same muscles to lift your butt up. And down. And up and down you can go, and if you need to change the hand configuration or to go to your back and pick up there, then do that. If it's in your wrist, get it out. And you can lift up a bit higher if you want, so long as it's staying out of your joints. And you could even play with the idea of straightening your legs out in front of you and trying to pick up there with your knees straight. Again, it's just work of the back line of the body, the opposite of what you've done so far. So if you're getting better work on your back, then do the work on your back. And when you've had enough of that, lie on your right side. We'll do all the sides tonight. Now you have choices here. You can prop your head up with your hand. You can have your other hand across your body. You can tuck the knees in a little bit towards you, or you can leave your legs outstretched with your feet stacked on top of one another. Now prop yourself up onto your forearm. Okay. We'll decide where you want your legs to be. Keep your hips stacked over top of one another. Pick your pelvis up off the ground. And down. Now, up and down you go. If it would be better to have the knees tucked in, tuck them in. And at first, perhaps you're going to be doing this with a lot of work from the arm that's outstretched. Can you use your waist to pick yourself up without your left arm doing so much? Harder than side plank ever is. Up and down you go. Feel free to change the configuration of this in any which way. And maybe come up and hold. And when you've had enough oblique work on one side, whenever you're ready, you flip over and do the other. The idea is to make choices for yourself, to make ones that are skilled. So adapt this to make it work for you. It can be different than the other side even was. Maybe looking down and making note if your pelvis is rolling backwards at all. Maybe it's not a big deal that that's happening. Again, it's your choice how much of this you do. Whenever you're done, you make your way to your back. And do one more. And Once you're on your back, bend your knees and put your feet on the ground. And you can take your arms out like a T. Or you can take them like goalpost arms, completely your choice. With your knees bent and your feet on the ground. If you want the block at any time, you're welcome to have it. If your elbows are straight, reach your right arm straight up to the ceiling over your shoulder. And then start to take your right arm across towards your outer left thigh. Lift your head and shoulders up and crunch up and across. Okay, other way. Back you go. Up and across, switch arms. Left arm up and across. And back and forth. Now, if it doesn't bother your neck to do it this way, that's fine. If you'd rather have your fingers behind your head, interlaced that as well. And you can also come up and pulse across rather than moving dynamically. A little more stability in the pelvis and the legs, put the block between your thighs. But you're also welcome to do one of the previous activities if it felt more beneficial It was worth exploring. Maybe you go side to side and then up through the center. Maybe you go side to side, up through the center, and then leave your head down and pick your butt up. And a lot of different movements of the trunk, a lot of holding it stable, feel free to combine them together into an interesting movement pattern should you choose. Have your eyes open or closed or to even pick yourself up on your back to table or to explore anything that you did previously. Let this be a little bit about what you feel like doing right now. Or a lot about that. Mm, You have time. What could you teach yourself? What feels worthwhile? To remind yourself that you can always come back to that one point of focus, reset there, and then explore anything else or even stay there. Take your time, just a few minutes longer, and then eventually when you feel like you've explored enough, you can come back to being still. in that still place. Again, there's no rush to get there if you're not ready to go there yet. Once back in that still place, make your way back to that one point of focus you chose. Just make note. The temperature of the room has not changed, but perhaps it feels like it's different from what you've been doing. Floor is still underneath of you because of what you've been doing or the position you're in, it might feel different. It could feel the same too. And the sounds are ever-changing. Bend your knees and put your feet on the floor if they're not there already. About tipping to the side, just let your right knee drop out to the right some. And then bring it back up. Go in and out. And do a few on one side and a few on the other, or go back and forth eventually between sides. You can even let the knees tip in towards the middle. Or move Instead of moving the same direction in and out, they can come towards one another, away from one another, across towards one side of the mat and back. And with all the other movements of the hip that you've been doing, if you were to pick one of your legs up, you can make circles with the thigh bone, even circles with the ankle. And again, you can continue with any of the one, of the pre- preceding movements. Also move the thigh up and down and in and out. Let the legs swing a little bit like a pendulum. Or move in very small ways. You can go side to side or take your time. Fairly effort filled, fairly linear, and very methodical about the work to date. So, just things that are a bit more freeform for you. You can also let the legs outstretch and take your arms overhead or take the arms to the sides. Or if you prefer something like cat-cow, you're welcome to come up and over and to do that. See if you can listen to what's going on, knowing that eventually you're going to make your way to being still in one position. So what would feel like it would be helpful in making your way there? Include anything, flipping over onto your belly, doing low back bends, but you have time, a few moments before you have to make a choice that is stillness based. the last few moments, maybe hugging the knees in. Dropping them side to side or anything else. Then take the time over the next little bit before you surrender to one final resting position to decide do you want to be propped on your back to lay on your belly, to lay on your side, to put your legs up the wall. What would be the most comfortable position? Do you want something to cover yourself up with? Are you warm enough? And if the first place you land doesn't feel as comfortable as you would imagine it to be, then adapt the position until you arrive somewhere that's really comfortable. Feel free to take your arms into any position you prefer. Overhead, hands on your belly, outstretched. Now, there's absolutely no ultimate need for you to be 100% still this entire time, so should something in the background, as you turn the volume down on experiences here, should something tell you you need to move, then do. Otherwise, as you settle on something that's fairly comfortable, start to intake sound again. Compared to the beginning of class, quite a bit more traffic. Were you to pick one sound, it would disappear eventually. The idea would be to pick all sound and just to notice that is somewhat organized chaos as they come and go. preference around them thoughts around them are relevant, it's just to intake them as an experience. One of tremendous impermanence. And same with the sensation of Whatever is supporting you, or however the body is positioned in relation to the floor or the props, that despite you being still, the sensory experience will change. Be that general or one particular region. Even the breath and the experiences sensory-wise around it are impermanent. sound a little bit different as you go. The sensation, the location, all would be variable. Right now, each one of those experiences perhaps having a certain amount of volume to it Can you pick the one that has the most resonant volume for you, the one that you find the easiest sound, sensation of the floor, some aspect of your breath, or otherwise? And let the volume on all the other experiences diminish. Not disappear, but just turn down. And when you wonder otherwise, can you come back to that one experience? whatever that one point of focus is, can you start to let the other experiences show up? Hearing what's around you, feeling your body in space, noticing the breath now, whatever was missing from the equation for a moment even noticing movement, how does it feel to move? What is it like to hear movement going on around you? A little bit at a time, get yourself up to whatever seat you'd like to sit in to close. there and feel free to join your hands together to rest them in your lap whichever one you like to close with. And again just taking in everything that is here. Knowing that's always the way to find the present moment to notice what's going on. Thank you so much. If you like to bow your head feel free. Namaste.